This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. engine with Syntec full synthetic motor oil at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Syntec is designed for today's engines to dissipate heat and reduce friction at wear. Get five quarts of Syntec full synthetic and a microguard select oil filter for just $33.99 plus two times O rewards points. Choose Syntec available exclusively at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. What's going on everybody? Welcome back to the big thing. Uh, I have been very excited to do these shows, honestly, and it's funny because I know that I've told you guys a million times over once we started doing this and we were back in studio, we're like, ah, you don't need to do Zoom things and StreamYards anymore. That's over. Well, it's not over. And I'm, it, strangely enough, I'm pretty excited that I'm able to do these because now I can reach out to people that I can't get into studio and talk to them on a one-on-one -on -one thing. And a lot of people were wondering about the Christian Harloff one-on-one show. And I think that's why I love big things so much is because it's kind of a, uh, everything that I used to do, whether it was on Schmoes or Collider, or all of it, it is now this show. So, and, and you guys have been responding to that, whether the interview with, with Freddie Prince Jr. and Steve Zaragoza and Danny Fernandez and all the interviews that we've been doing so far, um, I've been I've been excited to do, and they've just been conversations, right? So this is one that I'm really excited about. So I met Sam Roberts through Roxy Stryer a, a few years ago, and he was very kind in where I, I reached out to him on on just DM, and he had obviously you know how involved he is in in the WWE, and I wanted to get his thoughts and and stuff on on Schmodown, and he was so kind and told me he fucking hated it no i'm just kidding uh he he gave me he gave me some really great notes and we kind of went back and forth and then we just kept in touch and i did his show last year and it was a lot of fun but i want to talk to sam about a lot obviously his involvement on in wwe his show with with jim norton all the stuff he's gotten taken another show to youtube how he manages all of it to be completely honest with you um and we're just gonna bullshit about other stuff i asked him before we started recording what he's watching and there's some stuff honestly i didn't even heard of and tell me how great it is there's others you know how badly i wanted to see the new screen movie and I, I didn't have a chance to see it he saw it he's going to tell us what he thought about that movie some cool stuff that he, he that he also mentioned another movie i won't spoil it oh, something that happened tons of shit that sam and i are going to talk about today but before we get into it i've told you many times over i just need you guys to show a little class that's all I need you to do. And in order to do that, you got to subscribe. You just show an ounce of class by subscribing and hit that notification button. And that's all you do. And people say, you know what? I wasn't going to subscribe, but I didn't want to have no class. So now you have class. And then you go to the new Patreon. You got SEN Live two or three times a, a month, depending on how many we get. Rewatches, bonus episodes, all of it. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and listen to it on the go, whether it's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all of that. It's been great. All right. Let's do it. Welcome back, everybody. It's a big thing. It's me. And I am excited today, ladies and gentlemen. Joining the show from his studio in New York. God, that sounds so much more fancier than what I do. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Sam Roberts. What up, dude? Hey, man. How's it going? You have a very uh, a very radio way of coming in with the with the music under you. 
like oh. that kind of casual, like talking with the music. It is very like uh, it's very rock radio in a good way, not like cheese ball radio. It's, uh, well, and now, it's now there's now to throw Dallas rains for weather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe it's because you also have a good broadcasting voice that it's like, oh yeah, this sounds like what it's supposed to sound like. Well, it's uh, not, it's yeah. not real. It's all it's all forced. I actually sound like Urkel. It's it's, <laughs> it's, it's terrible. Um, how are you doing, man? You doing good? I'm great. Yeah, man. How are you? I'm well. I think that uh, like last time we talked, we were it was it, we were in the same kind of circumstance, but a bit different, if that makes any sense at all, uh, with the way that the pandemic was and and kind of getting back into it. But you're in New York, where it was really crazy a couple of weeks ago. Getting better now. Um, how's everything kind of affecting? Because you're because you're super busy with whether it's WWE stuff, your show with Jim, the stuff you're doing. How, like that's what I asked in the beginning. How are you handling all this stuff, and how are you able to to manage all of it? Well, it's been, it's been interesting in a good way. I mean, I think, I mean, obviously, you know, from, you know, launching shows like this, that I think that when the pandemic came, like we all rethought how we can do things and it's kind of spilled over into now that we can kind of get back into a studio, there is still this stuff that we did from home that is still good and, and we can still now kind of add to everything so it's like yeah I, i've gotten to a, a pretty fun place of doing stuff in studio and doing stuff from home and having that confidence right of like we know how to do stuff from home now so it's not a worry that any of the shows are gonna cease because of any reason other than ourselves like jim norton who i do the show with on sirius every morning pop positive for covid right after the holidays so it was like our first show back yeah. after the holidays and then he popped positive, but you know, we had the set, like we learned how to do the show from home for a year and a half before right. we were back in the studio. So it was like, we just went back to doing things that way. And then once, you know, the 10 days or whatever was up, we were back in studio and, and yeah. Well, it's funny that you say that because I, I was so, I was so hesitant to do these types of shows again because I was like, oh, we just got past that. Right. And then I did an interview and I was, well, and, I, and again, I shouldn't say interviews, a conversation with, I had Freddie Prince Jr. on like a couple of weeks ago and we were talking and I was, you know, going back and listening to it because I wanted to start, I would give myself notes on the show or whatever. And I, I'm, I'm listening to it on the podcast and I'm like, you can't even tell it seems like we're in the room i mean i definitely like the energy when you're sitting across from somebody and able to, to do it i feel you get more out of it but I, I i don't know man i was like okay maybe maybe i'm getting maybe i'm convincing myself now that i can do these more even when this shit is died down because i can get to talk to people like you i can get to talk to people like matt sarah uh, who is on this show uh frequently also does something with jim have you had a chance to to geek out with matt at all yeah, we've had Matt on the show a few times. I'm Matt, sure. I, it's one of my favorite people to have on. I wish he came on more often to tell you the truth because, I mean, he's hilarious. Just like the best. Yeah, I think the last time we had him on, I think he didn't realize he was going to be on for like an hour or an hour and a half or whatever. And he did the whole thing on his phone in his car. Sounds right. <laughs> With that Matt Sarah energy the whole time. Guys, I, I, I didn't know I'd be in my car the whole time. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> like, he's, well, I had him on. We were talking. He loved Dune. Loved it, right? So we, <laughs> so he came on. He's like, "Yeah, bro," and he's and we're getting into the whole thing. He's like, he was setting up. I had to get him through um this this setup because, like you said, he wanted to do it on his phone. But then he's like, "I'm gonna do it from I'm gonna do it from my computer." So so we we had to go through all the setups to get him on here. It was a process, but it was but it was a blast. And I love talking to Matt Sarah, man, because he 
obviously in MMA how knowledgeable he is, but he's very knowledgeable in like a lot of geeky shit because that's what he does. He he whether it's Spider Man, he was on his way, and we can just kind of transition transition to this because we talked about it. Ghostbusters. He was on his way to see Ghostbusters um, on the day that we shot, and he was all that's what he does and, and w- whether he's on the road or whatever. And he, so I'm glad you, you got an opportunity to hang out with him. Cause he's one of my favorite people. Yeah. I mean, I like people and I'm sure you're the same way. Cause we're probably the same way as people too. Anybody that just gets super passionate about the things that they like. Yeah. Like that's a fun person to talk to when he's just like, he not only did he enjoy watching Dune, but he really wants to talk about how much he liked it. Like that. i like those conversations. Yeah, it just keeps well, it keeps you engaged and it gets you more excited about it, right? So that's yeah, and that's kind of why when when we start talking about wrestling a little bit, I'm sure we'll 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 geek out um, about a lot about a lot. But speaking of Ghostbusters, something that was fun that I didn't I didn't realize is that there's a little there's kind of a little Easter egg. You want to tell us what what that is? Yeah, we like started to get wind of it that I think uh, one of our friends of the show, who's like a, a you know one of the film writers saw an advanced screening of ghostbusters and he was like hit up our producer and he was like dude jim and sam are thanked in the credits of ghostbusters and we were like what and he was like yeah it says thanks to jim and sam for the on sirius xm like it's definitely us thank you to jim norton and sam roberts from sirius xm for photos or something and we were like what and so like i i hit up jim i was like did you know anybody doing ghostbusters and give him a photo and he was like i have no idea and then people started and i was like maybe it's just in the preview screenings but then it came out and like god bless the fact that post-credit scenes exist because now everybody stays through the credits right like so many people saw the credits of that movie and we kept getting hit up going why are you in the credits of ghostbusters we were like we don't know <laughs> I have no idea. And we were like, maybe it was a scene that got cut, but we didn't do anything. Like we didn't give anybody, like we didn't, we didn't say here, we didn't send anybody a photo. We didn't right, right. shoot anything. It was just there in the credits. And then finally a friend had a friend who knew the director that hit him up. And he said that if you look at this, one of the scenes where one of the kids are on YouTube, okay. They oh, yeah. used the Jim and Sam photo in the thumbnail. Okay. And I was like, oh, and I didn't see it, the movie. But everybody that's seen it is like, I no, I didn't see that in the scene. But I was like, look, that's what they said. And it's in the credits. So I don't like that's it. Like we're that's we're it. we're in even if we're not in the movie, being in the credits is just as good. Like this is a historical document. They finally did the Ghostbusters thing right and 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 they did such great service to all the fans and everything. And I mean, my name's in the credits, so that, yeah, that counts. That's all totally counts. It means that Jason Reitman is probably watching your show. Yeah, it's got you. Yeah. You should have him on now. That's a, that's, that's, a way, that's a way to get him. Hey, you know, you, you thank us in the credits and do the show. Yeah, you should do the show. I mean, we're in the credits of your movie. This shouldn't be that big of an ask, right? It's awesome. <laughs> Bill Murray. Come on. Um, that's amazing. That's really, that's fun. Um, yeah. So, yeah, a, cu- a couple of different things here before we get into the meat of this. But uh, you were talking, I was asking you, I always ask the guests right before they come on, the cool shit they're watching, what they're what they're into. And you just told me about this thing that I'm not familiar with, and that's uh, Archive 81. What is that? Yeah, so uh, Archive 81 is a series on Netflix that I don't even remember, I don't remember how I found out about it. It's new. Like, it was just a, couple, a week and a half ago. Yeah. But I had heard about it and whatever. I watched the trailer. And it's basically the story of this uh, guy. He's like a New York guy. And his job is to 
he's an archivist. Like he takes uh, analog media and transfers it to digital. It's what he does. Like he repairs VHS tapes and film reel and stuff like that. And he, and he transfers it over to digital. And like, I don't know, there's like, I'm such a VHS geek from back in the day that yeah. that caught my interest. Cause I was like, oh yeah, I remember having to get the tape and, and get scotch tape and put it together and flap the thing down and do the. So I was like, oh, let me give this a shot. And I think James Wan is the EP of it. There you go. But it, and so I'm watching and it's amazing. Like I was in uh, Tulsa. And so I was on a bunch of planes this last week and I watched seven episodes like through the through the flights and i i i loved it it's like the guy goes and he ends up in this like very isolated house in upstate new york where he's got this very mysterious assignment to go through all these like uh super eight tapes or high eight camcorder tapes from like 1994 and digitize them but we start to get the story of what's going on on these tapes while we're getting the story of this show and they start to intersect with each other. And then we start to see like, like stuff with like uh, demonology and, and, and the occult and maybe alien stuff and all it just, it just gets weirder and weirder and weirder. And it just like really does a good job of slowly sucking you in. And I'm just, I, I haven't gotten to the end, but I we will. Want, we we I love, yeah. I so, love, so, it's funny. I, I just looked it up and I, I'm, I am aware of it. A friend of mine sent me the trailer. I guess the trailer popped like two, three weeks ago. I didn't watch the trailer, but he sent me it and said, this thing's going to be huge. So I didn't know that James Wan produced it after everything, the way you just described it, that makes sense because yeah. th- so I think that horror movies in general um, and the horror genre had turned in a good way over the last like five or six years. It went from for a while. I remember like in 2012 and 2013 when Ellis and I were going to see movies. It was the same shit like January. May, you, you make it for 50 bucks and you put it in the theater in January and you hope to make a profit on it. It's just jump scares and slasher and bullshit. Right? And you're like, eh, it's the same thing. But then with James Wan, when in like 2013, when The Conjuring came out, he put such a layer of care and as you were just saying, passion, right? And you can you can feel it. It jumps off the screen, whether he's producing it, directing it. He puts that effort into it. So you sold me on James Wan produced it, right? So that's it, it. it's it. It's also interesting about James Wan because I feel like a lot of the sort of cheapening of the horror genre kind of started with Saw. Like Saw was great, but the fact that it was so low budget and made so much money. I mean, The Sopranos did a whole season arc that's right about it like like it just it got people like the thing that made saw so great was that story hook and the hook at the end and everything it's just saw is brilliant but i think people watched that and they were like oh well if we can just put very little money into something and put a bunch of gore and make a whole bunch of money and and so it's interesting that james wan did it and then had to go and redefine what the genre was going to be all about you know yeah, it's true. I mean, it's but th- that that always happens, man. I mean, look at look at Star Wars seventy seven. It comes out and it's and all and everybody starts making like the dollar store versions of Star Wars. And nobody yeah. can, and nobody can do it. No matter every time there's a trend, found footage movies it it hits yeah. once and then everybody starts doing it. Three D for Avatar, everybody starts doing it. And it's like it's not it's it's not the trend that we like, guys. It's the spe- it's, it's being specific to the story and and having us care about it it's not just the trend however what i will say the trend that's working right now and i've been bringing this up a lot is what we were just talking about with ghostbusters whether it's ghostbusters cobra kai they just announced um uh the the christmas story they're doing a sequel to christmas story on hbo max but billingsley ralphie's coming back in the sequel with vince vaughn producing 
nostalgia. Nostalgia is the thing right now, right? And nostalgia done right. I just had a great conversation with Mark Bernard about this. And nostalgia done right. And he he said it brilliantly. He's the writer. I'm not. <laughs> he, he talked about like the sprinkle, a sprinkle of it on nostalgia done right. Chef's kiss. When it's the meat of it, that's the problem. And you can't lead with nostalgia. You can't. It can't be the only thing you got. You can. You can pitch it with nostalgia, but you got to have that. You know that thing. And I think that that's what um, a lot of the uh, Christmas stories. You, do you give a shit about Christmas stories? I, I mean, I like the. I love as a Christmas movie, and I don't really love Christmas movies that much. But yeah. I mean, a Christmas story is incredible. But I don't need a. I mean, I don't like. I don't care what right. happened to them after that movie. You know, like I'm. <laughs> I'm good, like with that story and the and right, the ending, right. and they're in the, the Chinese restaurant, and it's like good. We told the story. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I say I'll watch it, but you but might. I, never. You I, might. Probably, I probably won't. <laughs> I probably won't watch it. No, I probably. I love the first one. I'll probably watch the first one again. Right. But... I, I do think it's a brilliant move for HBO Max. If it was coming yeah. out, if it was coming out in the theater, I'd be like, oh, you're taking a shot here, right? But because <laughs> HBO Max. What do you got to lose? You put, you give Vince Vaughn, and, and they're good friends, and they, you, you know, you have him do this. He finally got him back. To, he was he, he Peter Billings has been producing shit for years. Yeah, he, he's he's not really acting in anything. You know, he pops up here and there, whether it's in a Marvel movie or whatever. But he's but to have him do this forty years later, um, it's a smart move for HBO Max because, like you said, you'll either you'll be browsing around one day and go, should I try it? I remember that conversation I had with Arloff. Should I? Nah, I'm gonna stick to what I said. I'm not watching it. Yeah, or, or, or you might say, "Well, fuck it. Let me watch ten minutes of this thing and let me see what happens." And I think that's why it makes sense, and that's why I think all these streaming platforms, um, the way that they're doing it right now, the battle uh, has kind of begun. But you know, you can mention all these. You, I assume that your genre is horror. That's that's what you that's what you gravitate towards. Yeah, I really do love horror. Yeah, yeah. What's your what's your all time favorite horror film? Is it Exorcist, like everybody else? No. Um... I don't know. I mean, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is probably the like the one that shifted everything. Like, I I think if I had to have one favorite, it would probably go back to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I just I mean, there's something about not only the fact that I do love like slasher movies. So that's kind of quintessential one. But there's just also like, I don't know. I feel like when horror is done right. Like the storytelling that's happening, like you can you can feel it and you can feel that the person who made this movie really wanted it to exist. Like when Jane, like Malignant, I loved Malignant so much because I was like, this is the one like James Wan did so many for the studio that he said, it's my turn now and I'm going to do Malignant because this is the movie that I want to exist. And I just I was like, this is fantastic. Malignant is exactly what I wanted. It, to, it was great. I loved it. I gotta like, see it. I heard great things. I haven't oh seen it. God, I, so, I heard some people hate it. It's either that you love it or you absolutely I've heard good it. things. I've heard good things about it. Brilliant. I thought it was brilliant. Uh but yeah, I mean, I just feel like Texas Chainsaw Massacre is so influential. I feel like, you know, what Toby Hooper wanted in a movie is so it's so clearly him. That I I gravitate to that. Like I feel like if I were to have a conversation, I want to be able to have a conversation with a filmmaker and have this guy go like, "Oh yeah, this is what I wanted to do," and be as into it as I am. Not go like, "Yeah, I don't know." They hired me to direct this piece of shit. You know what I mean? Right. And that well, that's we have conversations about that on the show all of the time, right? And it's like I don't 
and I again just talking recently with Mark Bernardin. Mark Bernardin was was hired on a show where he to write, and he didn't he didn't know a lot about the show itself. He didn't. He's like, I don't know, but I can tell that the creators like they know this world inside and out. So then he did his research and he said, well, they hired, they didn't hire me because I'm a massive fan of this thing. They hired me because I can get into the world and I can learn the world and I can do this and then I can give great ideas. That's cool. Mm -hmm. It's what you're talking about where it's like there's these people who get hired on. Give me the check. Fine. I'll I'll, I'll blow some shit up. I'll do this. I'll do that. And you can tell it's 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 lazy. It, you they, they didn't try to learn the material. You don't have to love. You don't have to love it right away but you should learn it and you should get passionate about it because it's like being in a comedy club you know right away if the person you're watching on stage has confidence you know within seconds if you're going to dig the vibe or not um and it's the same type of thing when you're watching a movie you're like uh this this is lazy this is lazy the writing's lazy all this shit especially for horror yeah well i mean you know from the trailer it's like nowadays like with all the nostalgia that yeah. you're doing, like you said, and all the like fan service that they're trying to do. I feel like fans are now so in touch with what they're a fan of that, you know, immediately, like you knew when the home alone reboot trailer dropped, Oof. nobody saw it. You didn't need to see it. You saw from the trailer, you were like, this is garbage. <laughs> and I don't, I don't want anything to do with it. I'm not going to watch it. I'm, it's, this is horrible. And you can, you feel that backlash come in. The minute the trailer drops and and i feel like nine times out of ten it ends up being accurate right like it's rare that the trailer drops there's a revolt and then it's like oh the movie was actually perfect it's 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 rare it's yeah rare. there are sometimes that trailers you're like what what was I mean, why, why'd they put that trailer out the movie was incredible it's, it's incredible. true it's 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 rare um yeah. and titles of movies sometimes and i remember the the movie that it comes to mind for all that, whether it's trailer, title, was Edge of Tomorrow. When mm -hmm. when Edge of Tomorrow trailer, I was like, what is this? What are we? And then I saw it in the theater and I was like, that did you ever see the movie Edge of Tomorrow with Tom? So. Oh, no. dude, Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. It's I'm a science science fiction is like in time travel and all that shit is is right up my alley, right? So that's that the second I saw that, that one blew me away. But you're right, it is rare. When it happens, you're like, Yeah, I can pretty much guess what's gonna happen. They just showed me the entire movie, so uh it happens often. I can't believe it. Spring is right around the corner. It's almost here. And we are so close to feeling that soft grass under our feet. But first, first thing you got to do, you got to get your lawn back. It's winter. And you're like, ah, I don't got to worry about my lawn. I'm telling you, man, pay attention to it now. I'm looking. I'm looking. My house. I'm saying, oh, man, look at that. I got to get that lawn going again. And Sunday, Sunday is going to get your lawn growing and helps to keep it healthy all season long. Because you don't even pay attention to it, really. But all those chemicals that you're using to keep the yard looking good, I don't know if you knew this or not, but traditional lawn care lays down 90 million pounds of pesticides each year. That's a lot, man. Sunday is different. They're on a mission to change how people care for their yards. Most of us might not think about our lawns in the winter, but this is the time to prep for it. This is it right now. Now, you're probably thinking, you have so much work to do to get it green and get it healthy again. But Sunday actually takes care of all the work for you. Sunday can help you grow a beautiful lawn without the guesswork or the nasty chemicals. Just the attach the ready-to-use pouch to a garden hose and spray. It takes like 15 minutes to do it. And best of all, this stuff really works. And Sunday is going to offer our listeners 20% off. Full season plans start at just 
$129. You can get 20% off a checkout, but you got to use that get sunday.com slash big thing 20 exclamation point that's 20 percent off there's no exclamation point they were so excited and they told me they were just excited to be working with big thing no explanation point i'm going to tell you the code again it's 20 percent off your custom plan and get sunday.com slash big thing 20 one more time that's 20 percent off your custom plan at get sunday.com slash big thing 20 the link will be in the description Speaking of nostalgia, speaking of horror movies, Scream just came out. And so Scream, I didn't, this is this was the bitch of this stupid ass um variant going around. Is that my I have a I have a kid right now, four years old, not able to get vaccinated. So I'm taking I'm taking a break from the theater at the moment. Um and I had a chance to and Paramount wasn't sending out the screening link. So I was like, shit, because I this I actually really it was on my t- number nine for most anticipated of the year. I really wanted to see it because I think that I didn't like the fourth one, but I liked where they were going with this one. Was I right in that assessment? Did you like it or is it so uh I'm in the same boat as you in terms of going back to the theater? I hadn't been back to a theater because I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. Yeah. The variants are popping in and popping in. First of all, when you have little kids. Like going to a movie theater to watch a movie, you kind of need a good excuse because you can't just go. You can't do that anymore. You can't right, be like, right. yeah, I'm going to take the afternoon off right, and just right. go watch a movie. It's like you got kids. But um, but so I was like, OK, so for this one, I'm such a like I think Scream, the first Scream, I rewatched it recently and I was like, oh, my God, like I just I think it's a perfect it's movie. Really it's like really it's not good. a perfect horror. It's just a perfect movie. It's incredibly well done and so i'm watching it and then in anticipation for this fifth one i went on my youtube channel not sam and did like solo to camera a franchise breakdown of like here's the story of the first four movies and i was like i don't know like like, you know it'll be 45 minutes or whatever it was an hour and 40 minutes me just like and then he did this and then they did that and blah 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 and i just it just because i was so excited and all the details matter and everything um so yeah, for me, I think I going in, I ranked the Scream franchises one, two, four, and three. That's the my ranking from best to worst. Sure. Um, and so I went in and then I did. So I was like, okay, I gotta go see it the weekend it comes out for sure. I can't have anything spoiled. I can't, you know, I'm going, it's too important. I'm good. This is the movie to go back to a theater for. Right. And I had a, th- a thing to do on the Friday. And I was like, oh, because I want to go during the day. Because you got kids, I'm um, the same way as you. So I'm like, let me schedule. And I was doing this before the pandemic anyway, because I'm antisocial. I love figuring out when the theater is going to be like almost empty. Same. Right? Like Friday at 11 a.m. is like a private screening. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, okay. And then I, and then so I figured out, I go, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to wait till the kids are in bed, even though I'm wiped out. Thursday night, 10 15 showing p.m. So it's like that way, like most when people there, are back. No one was there at Thursday at 10, 15? Because people are back at work and back at school. So what kind of. Yeah, it's in New York. It's different. Maniac. It, people are back at work. People are back at school. And Omnicroms is everywhere. So it's like, yeah. who's going to. So I got a pretty. It was pretty empty. It wasn't like empty, empty, but it was still pretty good. Like I had, I had a nice amount of room around me. It wasn't, yeah. a, it wasn't a Spider-Man crowd. No, right. absolutely not. And I'm going to tell you, I loved it. oh great like great. i mean i'm leaving and i'm still recency bias is a thing 
it's either the third or possibly second best movie in the franchise. It might be the best, and I'm leaning towards the best over one. No, since since it might be the best since one. It's just they do such a good job of not like they're not. It doesn't feel like they're stretching the story. You know how like by the fourth sequel, I think that was the problem with Scream Four. It felt like this story it's the same story just being yeah. stretched a little further and you're bad like gimmick. it's a bad gimmick exactly yeah yeah it felt like they were not trying to stretch the same story and tell the same thing it felt like they were going back to the original they were catching that spirit that feeling you got from the original yeah. they were catching that and they were applying it to the logic of making a horror movie in 2022 you know what it was sam it was fake razor ramon it, yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. That's that's what it was. Big Titan coming out in that purple vest. Yeah, it's like this is not. It looks the same, but this is not the same. Um, yeah, but I, yeah, they, I I thought like the it was the killer was he was angry and aggressive and 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 it 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 felt like it was what you were saying earlier. It was that sprinkling of nostalgia. It wasn't. It didn't rotate around the characters that are now in their 50s from the original it it rotated around a new cast and they did a really good job of finding a strong new cast that then they could sprinkle in you know sydney and gail and dewey in a meaningful way that made sense that made it so like okay this is not a rehash this is not a stretch this is this is actually and they also did a good job of like the original Scream is so uniquely reflective of the audience and the time, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 genre fans and everything that it, that wasn't really happening. And I felt like they didn't really nail that in Scream Four to be reflective of fans at that time. Like they were right. trying to, it didn't. It is so reflective of the way genre fans react to film now. That's great. It's yeah. Scream always was. That's what Scream always was. Yeah. Um. And what the other ballsy thing about it, what people aren't really talking about enough, is that it's the first Scream movie that's not directed by Wes Craven. Right. Right. And and that's yeah, that's a huge deal. Yeah. So Matt uh, Bettinelli, Alpin, and Tyler Gillett did these. I'm not familiar with the guys. And uh, they did did Ready or Not. I don't know if you saw Ready or Not, but it's great. I'm see. I'm like. When when Schmoes was a we were doing our thing, Ellis was always the horror guy, right? And I was, for, like I said, it wasn't to me that I don't like horror. I just when I see it, I just want to be challenged a little bit more. That's why I loved Conjuring. Conjuring, like people were shocked because I gave it like five out of five when I when I saw it because I was just like, that's a movie. That's a, like, I don't right. care if it's, if it's sci-fi or whatever it is. That's a movie. And Scream, the original Scream, loved it. One of my favorite movies, definitely. Um, but then this one. I'm glad that my, my like my instincts were like this feels different. It doesn't it's because different. I I didn't like four. I didn't like four. I was like I just I remember seeing it, and people were like oh it was really good. I liked it a lot. I'm like I just bored. everything you just said. I was bored with it. I felt like I saw it a billion times. Um, but this one I'm glad to hear it. I did. I have heard great things. Great. Um, I already wanted to see it, and now once it hits, it's hopefully it's going to be on Paramount Plus soon. I think mm-hmm. that hopefully within the next couple of weeks because I will be watching it then. And, uh, and because I'm, I'm planning on getting back to the theater, hopefully in February, because I have, I have a, a bit more of an excuse than, than say, you know, you do like you, as you were mentioning that I, you just can't, when you have kids, you can't just run out and say, I'm going to see a movie. Luckily enough for me, I can turn to life and go, I got it. I got to cover this one. 
right? Yeah. And even and so that that I can I'm I'm back I, doing. I, dude, I I use that excuse so much. Like when you have a radio show where you talk about anything, and then also have a whole side business that's devoted to wrestling. Right. Like there is, I can't like there, I can't even use a straight face sometimes. Like I'll go like, <laughs> I got to go play Spider-Man on PS5. Cause I'll probably talk about it on the air tomorrow. <laughs> like it's like, what are you talking about? Yeah, why, why, why did we spend all this money? Why didn't, why didn't they buy it? Well, you know, I figured they, they, they did enough. They did enough. <laughs> I'm going to put the research into this one. <laughs> yeah, no, we're doing a whole bit about, I'm going to talk about how it's, funny that i'm building legos on the show tomorrow so i gotta go downstairs and build some legos yeah <laughs> you won't see me for like, for like two days yeah <laughs> so just leave me alone um speaking of which so let's let's talk about some of your shows man because like you're you're super busy the first is i've been i've been a fan of jim norton for forever like he's just as a as a comedian just he i was always i was always in awe of him and in, in how just fearless he 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 is and just the, his personality in general i loved him when, when back in the first louis show like you know like all that stuff that he's doing how did you guys hook up in the first place well i uh i met jim back in the day i interned for opie and anthony while i was still in college uh and that's where i met him how'd you get that gig let's start with that how'd you get the well, I was uh, I was at Syracuse. I was doing a lot of college radio and stuff like that. And I was a huge, I was Obi and Anthony was my show. I was a huge Obi and Anthony fan. I listened to Howard. I listened to Wendy Williams here in New York. Uh, this is before she was on TV and everything. Uh, but that, yeah, so that was kind of like my three people that I listened to. I appreciated Imus and what he was doing. I didn't, I mean, listen to it, but my dad did. I kind of grew up with my dad listening to Imus. Um, but so, like, I, I sent a packet starting the beginning of my junior year. I uh, started sending packets to every sort of major radio station show in New York early and going like, hey, I'll be home this summer and I'd love to intern. I'd love to intern. And so, like, every I had my list and my addresses and my resume and my CDs with my radio air checks on it. And like every three months, I would send the same list of people packages leading up to the summer going like that way, you know, hopefully my name would just keep popping up. And yeah. the only callback that I got after all those packages were sent was from Opie and Anthony, which is, I mean, that's the one I wanted anyway. One, so right. I was like, this is great. And, you know, whatever for the rest of it. So I went in and did an interview and everything. And they were like, yeah, you can be a summer intern. That sounds good. And so I was, I interned there that summer and uh, I wanted to come back and it was kind of still, wasn't super corporatized. It was kind of wild Westy still. And it was one of those things where radio was still in a spot. And I think you can still kind of figure out your way around it, but they were like, well, I mean, we would have you back, but you're going to be in Syracuse. And I was like, well, and so I did go back to Syracuse, but every vacation, every, every weekend that was more than one day off, I would drive back to the city Smart. and I would go in and just work for free. I would just go and just want to be around it. Yeah. Just be around it and do yeah. a thing. And, you know, I ended up uh, graduating that year and then uh, like once I graduated, I was in every day for free, just as if I, I worked there. Just I just kept going and going and going until you eventually you're right. You get familiar. They see your face. And then exactly. that's that. And, be, and you become yeah. a uh, like you add value. Like that's the most important part is like okay. I, I 
looked for every opportunity I could to add value to to make it so that if I wasn't here, it would affect things. Like you know, the the fans wouldn't notice, but like the the day to day operations, I wanted to did, add. Did they, get, did they get the interns? Like, so I was a Howard guy, kind of, and so so where Howard would would get all the, in, the interns, certain interns involved. Were they doing the same thing over? Sure. Over yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. 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 And I would end up on the air here and there and i would try to i would always try to find reasons to get on the air even if it was like if i saw something on tv that was like oh they should like make fun of this i would sit there and like record it and it was so like the technology like it was like 2005 so like i would record the show off tv on like a dvd recorder and then take the disc and put it on my computer and start chopping up audio clips from it and bring it in. And I knew that they hadn't seen the show. So it was like, number one, it's going to be good content. But number two, they're going to bring me in to explain the show to them. And so, you know, I, I would like try to find opportunities like that. I remember one weekend, I spent the entire weekend taking my Fast Times at Ridgemont High DVD and then taking my recording of Fast Times at Ridgemont High off of like TBS or something. <laughs> and every curse in the movie, I would make a clip from the original movie and then make a clip from the overdub cable version. So you could compare like what would, the, here's the way the movie is. Here's the ridiculous phrase that they dubbed it out. And that became a whole thing. But like, you know. Like that Mr. Show bit, mother father. Like yeah, that. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. stuff like that. So yeah. I was doing all that stuff. And then. After several months, I got uh, hired at the, you know, kind of bottom of the totem pole level and clawed and scratched and clawed and scratched some more. But that's to say that's where Jim and I actually met each other because Jim was on that show. All right. Be honest. You've been at the gas station. You're sitting around. You're going, hey, look at those. This is those erection pills. I'm going to try those things. I'm going to see what happens. I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm just going to use them. And then I'm going to say, surprise, look at what just happened in the bedroom. So you start thinking it's tempting, I know. But if you look at what's going on in those products, it's not good for you. The same goes for the uh, the products on the market that say it's going to help you in bed. But here's the issue: who wants the four-hour erection? I'm like Conan with my with the the sword in my pants, and then I had to go to the hospital and explain it. Ah, uh, you know, hey, it was uh, there's something I wanted to try because when I go. Wanted to look perfect down there. But Joy Mode is going to help out and it's here to save the day. Whether you're happy or unhappy with your performance in the bedroom, why not perform even better? Joy Mode Sexual Performance Booster, it's like a pre workout, but for sex. I'm pumping sometimes to pump the iron, and now I want to pump the new iron down there. And in order to do it, I, I use Joy Mode. It's fantastic. Because you'd rather take a supplemental supplement designed to spice things up rather than a prescription drug that's going to have harmful effects down the road. Joy Mode makes natural and science-backed sexual wellness products for men. Their sexual performance booster is like a pre-workout, but for sex. And the sexual performance booster is designed to support erection, quality, and firmness, and sex drive. Thank you, Mr. Gary Busey. After ta- uh, taking the sexual performance booster, blood levels of arginine and yohimbine will increase, will directly promote Nitric oxide, I'm going to tell you right now before I read the rest of this stuff. It's going to let you know that you're going to be, you're going to be excited. I'm not reading all the, the medical stuff. I want to let you guys know. You want to take a look at what's in here? You should check it out because Joy Mode, what they did, 
it was created because the products in the market, they're just terrible. And they know they could do better. So they put all that stuff that I can't pronounce. It doesn't matter, though. The, the, the objection for the erection is because you want to get more excited. And prescriptions come with all sorts of side effects and over-the-counter gas station pills that are sketchy and they're fraudulent. But a lot of guys just take both because they don't have an option. This is what you expect when you go with Joy Mode. Tear open the sachet, you mix it with six, six to eight ounces of water, just like an electrolyte packet. And for best use, consume it anywhere from 45 minutes to four hours prior to sexual activity. You're going to notice better blood flow, better erection quality and firmness, and increased sexual energy and drive. If you want to spice things up in the bedroom, and boost your sexual performance and do it naturally without the nasty prescription drugs special offer for you. This is for the big thing audience. You go to joy, excuse me, usejoymode.com slash big thing. I mean, how appropriate is this? Come on, joy mode with a big thing or enter big thing at checkout for 20% off your first order. Use joymode.com. Use joymode.com slash big thing for 20% off your first order. Thank you, joy mode for partnering up with the big thing. I mean, there's no other show it should have partnered up than the big thing. Links in the description. It's funny, Bernard just keeps coming up because he's just such a great dude. I don't know if you ever had a chance to speak to Mark Bernard. He's, so. he's the best. He hosts He hosts um, the Fat Man on Batman show with Kevin Smith. Mm. And so I asked a similar question on how they met and he was telling me the story and, and how it's just funny, like whether you, you and Jim and how you got to have have that chemistry with somebody and you got to have those things that a lot of a lot of your personality is different but a lot of it you have a lot of things that you both relate to and you got to be able to both have you know you can't and, I, and correct me if i'm wrong but i assume because i've never met jim but you can't be someone who gets easily offended around and be friends with jim norton you just can't no no <laughs> and i mean yeah no no but i also you know i think that that's kind of i don't know i guess there are most comedians that are kind of trying to be in that space of creating comedy content like it if you're somebody that's waiting to be offended like that doesn't really lend itself to creating it used to be like that comedy it used, it used to be like that now now i i can't even tell you how many comedians that i've seen get offended at stuff and i'm like Come i guess on. that's true yeah I'm i like, guess that's on i guess that's true I can't. Um, I I came up from the comedy store, so like I and I right. was talking two in the morning. I saw I saw Blue Iris blow a guy on stage. Blow a guy on. Stage. <laughs> so, so I I uh, that you know I don't get easily offended, and I and being in that club, I thought anything could happen, and literally anything happened. So I'm not, I, and maybe I and I, maybe I'm like my grandpa when it came to like ah, grandpa, you're old school. But like I just see comedians get offended by shit now, and I'm like, but aren't you a comedian? Like I understand I mean, people, but and especially I mean, and you'd have to go through like that. Of course, there are some things that it's like, yeah, that that there there is, you can go over the line, right? Like there is a thing where it's like that's not cool. Like there's plenty of stuff that's not cool, but at the same time, there are plenty of times where it's like you know what this is, and you know what the intention was there, and I don't know why you're not acknowledging it. It's a fighter going, oh man, I didn't know I was gonna get punched in the face, right? It's right. Like, I understand. Like, look, if you're just someone who's tweeting, you're not a comedian, you're tweeting out and you see something or you watch a special that you don't like, you have every right to go. I'm offended by that. I don't like that. I think that's bullshit. Sure. It doesn't mean that necessarily that the comedian and other person has to change their stuff or does or maybe they do have to address it or that type of thing. That's that's fine. That's part of the comedian also to where, you know, George Carlin always said. It. Everything can be funny, but not everyone can make it funny. Yeah. 
And that's that's the thing. So anyway, just getting off off track though. It just tries it drives me nuts. But 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 being around Norton, you got to have that kind of that sense of humor. Yeah, and I think I was that way anyway. You know, I mean, a lot of the Opie and Anthony thing was that as well. So that I mean, that's kind of you know where where it all came from. But yeah, I mean, at one point, like years and years had gone by. I was doing my own show. I you know left the ONA show and I was doing a solo thing on Sirius and. Jim and Opie were doing a show and they were uh, not going to continue on together. Uh, and so Sirius was kind of talking to Jim and Jim and I were friends. Like we'd become right. friends since then and hung out and everything. And so I think, I don't know. I think Sirius was talking to Jim about, well, what do you want to, if you're going to do a show with Opie, like, well, you know, we want to keep you here doing a show. Like, what do you want to do? And Jim was like, I don't know. And I, I don't know if Jim suggested it or if somebody suggested it to him and went, well, what about Sam? Like Sam's doing his own thing. You want to do your own thing? Why don't we make it one thing? And then Jim and I you, like talked about it. And I was like, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I know that this would be an easy thing to do. Like you, I've like, you, I know that this is something that we could do every day very easily. So I, I think it would be fun. And Jim was like, yeah, I think it would be great. And so, yeah, we tried it and it worked. And uh, yeah, we're on our, I think uh, sixth, this is our sixth year we've done yeah, six years. I'm so glad that we started talking about your show because I just remembered some, an interview that you did from years ago, and I have to ask you if you've heard from this person since. The little bagel guy. You remember the? Remember that guy? Remember that guy? Is he still around? Uh you know, last time I heard, he had like a stroke and went oh, to the no. hospital. Uh oh. Yeah, and then I didn't. Else. It was he was wild. Yeah, I mean, we we had we had fun with him for a bit. Yeah. And then, like, you kind of saw, like, oh, there's a real anger here. Like, there, this is a really, like, this is a person that's got some deep-seated <laughs> he kicked anger. That like, maybe, of, kicked that woman out of the car, man. They're like, wow, he's a, he was a fucking lunatic. And we were covering him on Collider Live, but then I remember looking at interviews, and I the first one that came up was was you guys. And I watched, and you interviewed him brilliantly, by the way, because you, <laughs> you, you, you knew exactly who you were talking to and how to get stuff out of him. It was, like, where we we were in on your joke but he wasn't and i i, I love yeah. it I yeah love it. <laughs> yeah i mean i enjoy talking to like i enjoy talking to people like that i i like you know getting into like, just watching like just let me see how your brain works like, i'm gonna keep asking you questions so i just we we can just keep watching your brain process like there's just something extraordinarily interesting to me yeah about that but then when it starts to get like oh okay this this is a thing that can get dangerous at some point it's like okay let's uh let's wheel it back now let's <laughs> you, know? you guys are interviewing a lot of great people too and that's i i'm i'm assuming and guessing and you could tell me if i'm wrong but is that kind of how you started to get into the wrestling world through that side also because you had a lot of interviews through i remember i think hogan was on there tons of wrestlers that you that you've had on and because it was so close with stanford and people kind of coming in um, is that how you got connected inside of working in WWE? Was that something totally different? Yeah, kind of. I mean, it was one of those things where, so we would have wrestlers on Opie and Anthony and I was such a wrestling fan that like, I would always somehow, you know, be involved in it, whether it was usually making fun of me for something or having me ask dumb questions or whatever it was. Like I would just get involved and the same publicist, Joe would always bring the wrestlers in and, and you know, have a good time. And like what, I don't even remember who it was, but somebody came in and uh, they were promoting WrestleMania and they were going to do the WrestleMania press conference, like three blocks away in Times Square. And uh, so publicist Joe was like, Sam, are you, 
you can go to the press conference. And I was like, oh, it's not open to the public, right? And he was like, no, but it's open to the press. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, Sam, you're the press. Like you work in media. I was like, oh, what? And he's like, he's like, yeah, like it never occurred to me. Like this is a thing that it's not a stretch. Like it, I don't have to sneak in. I could just be like, this is a media outlet that I work for. I would, if this is what it's for. And I was like, I can go. <laughs> like, yes, you just you're just such a fan that it's like exactly you don't you don't even think to do it until you're like oh wait I can use this pass for things yeah yeah they go the guy go I can go he's like yeah do you want to interview anybody and I was like I can interview people there <laughs> he's like yes just yeah come. I was like okay and so I went and I brought a recorder and a camera and at first like I would go and just try to get sound bites for the show which would never like. It would never really, in my opinion, work out very well because, right. like, I wasn't, I, I couldn't, like, poke fun at anything there because, like, if you were going to make fun of a pro wrestling press conference, you would have to make fun of me. Like, this is my world. Like, right. it, it doesn't make sense for me to go and be like, hey, how stupid is this? Because the reality is I would go, this is actually not stupid at all. This right. is the well, greatest yeah. place yeah. in the world. Yeah. yeah. So then I was like, I just started doing interviews there about right like as a wrestling fan for wrestling fans and putting them up on youtube um and that kind of started to gain traction uh over years and stuff of doing it and there wasn't a lot of that going on on youtube at the time there were only a few of us that were getting these interviews and uh putting them up on youtube and stuff so that started to kind of grow and then i i ended up going to like a ton of events and I would go to the press events and then I would go to the shows and it would just be one of those things where all the wrestlers would have all done interviews with me a hundred times at that point. And everybody, everybody knew me. I was just always around. Yeah. And similar to what happened with Opie and Anthony. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. So it was just like, Oh yeah, that's Sam. Sam's one of our guys. Sam's cool. Yeah. And you know, eventually by the time that I was not like a, a lackey and it's always awkward too, because like, there's like a handful of guys that met me very early on. So they're like, isn't that the kid that got the coffee? And it's like, yeah, but I don't get the coffee anymore. <laughs> like you can't like, you know, and you got to kind of show your evolution. You sometimes. Took the bumps. You took the bumps. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. And then, uh, I mean, eventually, and I had auditioned to do like broadcaster stuff with them that went nowhere. Uh, but eventually, after I started the show with like very early on to doing the show with Jim, I got a call from Michael Cole and he was like, and I had known Michael Cole for a long time. We were friends. And he was like, uh, he was like, Hey man, I've been trying to get this done literally for years. And I finally got it through. And now that it's through, we just got to go. I want to bring people from the outside onto the pre-shows that we do for the pay-per-views. Do you want to come and do a, a pre-show panel? And it's like, yeah, Michael Cole. Yes. Uh, yeah. I would love to do a pre-show panel. And he was like, okay. And then I was like, all I can tell you is that we'll do one and then we'll see how it goes. Um, but yeah, here's the date and blah, blah, blah. We'll figure out the details. And we figured out the details. We came and did one and then we did another one and then another one. And then that's been, yeah, yeah like four or five years or something like that. Wow. So this was, yeah. Cause I remember, I remember, cause it was the network when I remember seeing you on there. Um, and then it switched over. Has there been much of a shift in difference for, for you anyway with watching the shift from like WWE Network to like Peacock? Um, not, uh, I mean, not really, you know, it's just, uh, you just kind of, it's just the wave 
moves in that direction and you go, you know, I, the, at the very end of the WWE network, this was during the pandemic, they reached out to me uh, and just said, would you want to do a show for the WWE network? And I was like, yeah, that sounds good. What kind of show? And they were like, you tell us. And I was like, yeah, okay. Now I like where this is going. And I think, oh. and I think it was like, you know, Sam knows what he's doing and also has his own studio and can deliver content even in this weird time that we're in where we can't get anybody together. So let's do it. And we did like a 13 episode show for the WWE network where I was literally just making a show and sending it to them. Like I produced the whole thing and everything and it was fantastic. So that was the last thing he did when it was the WWE network. But then, I mean, once it switched over to Peacock, uh, we started doing the ultimate show, which I think you'd be into if you watched it, which we tape in Stanford, like before every major pay-per-view, uh, a panel of us get together and it's like, so the, the Royal Rumble's coming up. Yep. So right before the, the Saturday before the Royal Rumble, the ultimate Royal Rumble will be on Peacock where it's me and a couple other guys and we fantasy book the ultimate Royal rumble. And can, and it, be, like, can it be from anybody from any point in time? Every era, every era. Love that. Yeah. So I you go that. back and you go through every era, but I'm sitting there going like, so you want me to be on a show where we just sit there for an hour and we fantasy book wrestling. And that's a WWE show, and I get to be on it. Like what? Like it's like Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, it's like that's, insane. It's that's crazy. Fun. You got a good gig there too, because you don't have to worry about taking hits. You don't got to worry about you just you just interview people. So I would assume the answer is yes. You're 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 so you're exclusive to them. But does that mean though? Are you able to interview other talent on the like say Jim? Like obviously in your show on Peacock, no, because you got to do WWE talent. But on if if let's say let's say Jericho wanted to come in and have a conversation with you guys on jim uh, on your show with jim are they are they sh weird about that or are you are you can you're open to it no i'm I, i'm actually not exclusive at all like i mean the the original deal of as much as it doesn't seem like it anymore because i'm just around so much like the original deal of we want an outsider to come in and talk about this stuff is still the deal that we're doing so yeah i'm not gonna like go on the wwe network and be like hey you should watch the competition like that really wouldn't make a ton of sense but yeah when i'm not doing stuff with a wwe logo on it there i can yeah i can do whatever whatever i want so that's cool yeah because I know you're, you know you're a wrestling fan in general so i mean i guess and if you don't want to get too much into it because you don't that's that's fine but have you been have you watched any of their stuff too you'd rather not even talk about it they, no no yeah no totally like i actually was just on my podcast this week on the not sam wrestling podcast talking about how much I'm enjoying the fact that CM Punk is like doing Bret Hart tribute matches in AEW. Like, I don't know if you've seen this, but like he's done a couple of matches now that are almost move for move. They're at least like the key spots are replicating key spots in like oh, classic really? Bret Hart matches. And like, I, I love it. Cause I love, I love watching stuff like that and like realizing it as it's happening. Like I recognize that from somewhere. And I'm like, oh my God, this is Survivor Series 95. They're doing I, it. Like, this is amazing. He's a real yeah. the game too. So you know, that doesn't surprise me at, at all. But it's, I think that I was just having that conversation recently about how the, because I, I, and I think you and I talked about this last time, but I, my, my journey in wrestling was so weird because like I, I was a massive, massive, like the golden era is like still, it's my, it's my, it's my favorite era. And then dropped out of it for a little bit. Watch Attitude Era got me back into it in college. Got the job 
um, writing for them during the Attitude Era. And then after that, I was off wrestling for maybe 15 years. Didn't start watching it again until I started really working on Schmodown, wanted to get back into it. The WWE Network was like heaven sent because I could go back, watch old shit that I used to like, and then start to get caught up on new stuff. Um, and then just because of just life getting in the way and certain and just uh, I just stopped watching a lot of stuff. But I wound up whether it was Jericho or Rhodes or CM Punk and, and talking to those guys and having them on the show, I, I tuned in to AEW to see why the, because the, the, the seems like uh, to steal something that uh, Leonardo DiCaprio said about Scorsese at the moment, they seem like they're making punk rock, you know, as where it just, it, and I think that for WWE um, they're, they're comfortable in the concerts and the, in the tunes they've been playing for a bit, but it's similar to me. What went down in the late or, you know, mid nineties, late nineties with WCW, where I think they need that kick in the, in, in the ass. So what's, what's it been like as far as, cause it's not just, it's not just like TNA anymore. It's not just like a, a, a little, like they're making, they're making a move. So obviously as a fan, what w- do you, competition's good, right? I mean, more is better ultimately, yeah. right? Like more is better having wrestling on every night. And it's like, you just need to like you you accidentally watch amazing wrestling like oh i forgot this was on oh this is amazing too right. it more from for me as a fan more is better so that's kind of how i look at it you know it, i think it's very different because you know the monday night war it was literally fighting for survival and i don't think anybody's fighting for survival at this point you know what i mean it's like it's 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 as interesting as it's been in forever but like Every company's staying in. I mean, you know, the, right, the right. big companies are staying in business, oh, right? Yeah. Not, it, was game, it was Game of Thrones in the late nineties, like the, exactly. Yeah, it was red wedding stuff when when somebody would have the uh, have the the raw oh, raw just lost. Oh, we're, we're going under. Like the, WWE almost went under, almost went under. But you're absolutely right. There's there's no world where one of these companies right now goes away. Maybe, maybe, not, maybe it's not a it's not a yeah it's not a risk. But I, what I mean, you talk about punk rock wrestling. What I've really been loving is post-pandemic uh independent wrestling is just coming back so strong like there's just so much talent that even two major organizations can't house it all and you're just seeing amazing stuff come from the independents like this this jersey independent promotion game changer wrestling that's been running for years and people wrote it off as like a deathmatch promotion and whatever they just started gaining steam in the last like year to a year and a half where it's got like everybody talking streaming has made all the difference in the world because now everything has a global audience potentially and they're getting ready to run the hammerstein ballroom which is not a thing that independent companies do i mean ecw did it you know it's 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 incredible in new york city so yeah I, i just the industry as a whole it's so much fun. And it's almost like, like, th- that's why people are like, oh, d- do you like this? Do you not like that? Shouldn't this be better? Shouldn't that be better? It's like, if you like wrestling and you can't find something that you like right now, you don't like wrestling. Right. It's all happening. Like, it's you know, something Kate Hudson in, yeah. in, in Almost Famous. It's all <laughs> happening. It's all This happening. is it. Like, it's all, all you have to do is put a minimal amount of effort to get your eyes on something and you will find it like it's, yeah, it's, it's just so my and even in the in wwe like even like there's this sort of thing that like you know the corporatized whatever 
But man, if you turn on SmackDown and you follow the Roman Reigns, Paul Heyman, Brock Lesnar story, it is a movie. It is some of the best stuff ever. The I mean, do especially where Roman Reigns has been, where it's like fans were booing him, even though he was a baby face and they couldn't find traction and his WrestleMania main events and blah, blah, blah. And to watch this guy over the last year and a half, new character it's 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 the best well paul Heyman's my guy paul Heyman is is uh he paul 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 is uh was when i was there um was very kind to me was very encouraging to me was a, a lot a lot of a lot of things and i always feel that he's around when those big kind of moments happen. And I'm wonder I wonder how long he was pitching Roman as a heel. I wonder I I I I gotta say it's a long time. And I don't think I mean knowing Paul Heyman as I know Paul Heyman, Paul Heyman being around when big things happen, I don't think it's an accident. No I don't think it's, it's not a coincidence. You know no, what I mean? What he's so brilliant about too is that he'll come up with an idea and pitch it and you won't even realize he just did that. Like exactly in the middle of a conversation, he'll, he'll know, he knows how to, he, what got me in with him a couple, he asked me, he asked me at the table, he's let me ask you a question. If we told you right now that you're not going to get this job, what would you do? And I said, well, Paul, I would leave. I'd come back and probably write you another letter next week and try to say, Hey, um, I was thinking about it and this is the way I want to get in now. And he said, well, that got you the gig. <laughs> uh, when when I like that particular, but he, but he also said there was something you said inside of your thing about words and how they manipulate the audience. And with him, when he's having a conversation with someone, he'll throw in a couple things that he wants to happen, but it's in a conversation. He's not going to say this is what we need to do. He'll he'll just put it in like a random conversation, have like a, a line that pops in there, and in your head you're going, oh wait a minute, maybe we should do this. And he's a, he's a he's a magician. He's a well, magician. yeah. That- that's that old salesman trick of like making it your idea, right? Like yep. you like getting the getting what you want to happen. And it's like, okay, if I can get that, if I can make that Christian's idea, all of a sudden, hey, good idea, man. Yeah, why don't we do that? And boom. And who gives a shit if you got the credit for it? Because it happens. doesn't matter. It's like, you know, yeah. yeah. And that's that's the key, right? If people who want credit for everything, I know I don't I don't understand it at all. It's like you want the thing to happen. It doesn't credit doesn't matter. As long as you get the thing done, right? Yeah, and 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 it's 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 you can still get credit through reputation, and that's what Paul Heyman does. Paul Heyman does it through reputation because what you and I just said, he's there, he's mm-hmm. involved, and you know, you know that even though he's not saying this is what I did, you know that he probably did because yeah. he just that's what he's got. That's the rep. That's his reputation. Like. Does he get enough credit for ECW? As much credit as he gets, probably not. Probably but the not. fact that it's 2022 and we're still talking about a company that went out of business over 20 years ago, right. that's the credit, right? That's it. That's yeah. the end. And, and he went to become like, like, and this, and when I was there, it was 2001. And I can only imagine 20 years later what it's like now. But Vince, very much so when Paul talked with, all right, buddy, what do you got? You know, you hear like just the, the, the conversation that he had always when Paul talked, it's probably something good that's coming. 
right? Like you, like, like that, and that was that was twenty years ago, right? That was before the CM Punk stuff and before the Brock Lesnar stuff and before all that stuff. So you know, and, and now, like, and and he's had his thing where he's left for a little bit. He's come back like everybody, and that's one of the things I actually really and I've been using this a lot in my life recently of what Vince does in in the business side of it, like because I've I've you know how it gets in any business that you're in. It could be very high schooly, and people are like, oh, you want to work with that person, but when you worked with them last time, they said this about you or they did that. Who gives a shit? Can we make money together? Can we do some stuff? Like, or can we get along in the next in the next run? I've worked, like, I've worked with people where it's like, oh, people, are, oh, I can't believe that you're working with that person again. And the last time, like, yeah, but it's we realize we can do business together and we can make it work. You can't hold grudges. You can't do that. And that's something like whether it was Ultimate Warrior or or Bret Hart or all these things that Vince was able to do down the line. It was like I remember that. I remember being on a plane with Vince and all of them and, and somebody talking about ultimate warrior and how he'll never come. And he didn't say it, but someone on the plane, he'll never come back. He'll never do this. We hate the warrior. We hate the, but he came back and did a speech and all that stuff too, because that's that it also worked. It was, it was legacy and it was also a matter of, of, uh, of, of making another buck. Yeah. But, and yeah, and it's also, I don't know, you know, I think that, yeah, I think there's such a less, like the Bret Hart story. It's similar, right? Like it's, it's, and, and it's always better. It's always, it's, it's, you never look at somebody who held a grudge and went, yeah, they were right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's never a happy story. Luckily yeah. they held a grudge and they never spoke again and remained angry. Like that's not a thing that anybody should aspire to. You know, I, I the way I look at all of this, I, I mean, WWE, serious, independent ventures, everything business related let me know what you need me to do right whatever i need like what can i do for you like you tell me and if it's nothing all right let me know when i can do something and if it's like you know and i'll, I'll go i'm gonna go do a good job you're gonna say thank you i'm gonna say you're welcome let me know when i can do it for you again that's it, that's it. Why, why why burn bridges it's just it's it's, 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 easy. Easy. it's easy all right before we get out of here dude tell me so the youtube channel you started it what two three years ago well, technically, I mean, it's been around forever, right? It's the same right. YouTube channel that I was uploading. Wrestling after, really going after it. Yes. Yeah. In the last couple of years, in the last, yeah, three years or so is when it's been more like creating content specifically for YouTube. You know, part of it was building this studio. And it's like, once I built the studio, you know, I want to, I want to use it, right? I want to, I want to use the studio. So I do uh, a show called Sam Roberts now twice a week uh, over at youtube.com slash not Sam. That's a live show. Uh, where I just go on usually fairly topical, but it's, it's, you know, like that's where I did the scream show. Yeah, uh, yeah. that's where I'll do. I do a lot of horror franchise breakdowns, but I'll also talk about, you know, if there's like sort of topical viral stories, nothing serious. It's a very lighthearted kind of fun show. And, but, it, but it does, I, I, I tend to draw from whatever's trending and just give thoughts on it. Um, also over on that YouTube channel, not Sam, uh, and I see the poster behind you and I just, love it Thank so you. much because uh my friend ian fidance who's a great comedian here in new york uh he had never seen the sopranos before so he's watching it for the first time now so he and i do a show on the youtube channel every week where we break down a couple of episodes so like just recently he just finished season three so we went on and broke down episode 12 and 13 of season three in the most recent Sopranos Prima Volta episode. But like, I mean, there's just something I get so much joy out of watching somebody react Same to man. this stuff for the first time. Like he hasn't even gotten to the pie. Oh, my stuff, oh, which I, I, I can't wait. 
so I just did a I did a full in uh and leading up to the movie, I did a full rewatch of the entire series oh. and, and I watched it all over again. And I had such a and I was always a massive fan of it, but I had such a, a more of appreciation because I watched it because when I, I remember watching it back in the day and had and like five and like six, like there was such a break in between them, like two or three years yeah. that by the time you watch them, you're like Oh, do I still remember everything? I don't love it as much. And then watching them the way I watch them now, I'm like, this show is brilliant. I'm like, yeah, every episode, everything that I thought I didn't like in the past, like, what the fuck was I thinking? Like, this, it was, it was great. And just rewatching it again, like, it what used to be like Breaking Bad, The Wire, and then Sopranos. Right now, it's Breaking Bad, The Sopranos, and then The Wire. I have Sopranos at number one. I've I experienced the same. Th- I mean, I've rewatched this. I think I've done six rewatches of the entire series. Um, but yeah, yeah. It's like every time I finish it, I'm like, let me run this back. Like I also like every time, like in the past, it's been like when depression is kicked in, I'm like, it's time to start the Sopranos again to the point now where when I start it, my wife will be like, is everything okay? I see you're watching the Sopranos. <laughs> like, no, everything's fine. I just wanted to do it again. Um, um, it's so good. But, so how about yeah. real quick, speaking of Sopranos, did you hear the announcement? Okay, because all right, so the movie comes out, mm-hmm. and I a lot of people like were shitting on the movie. I didn't mind the movie at all. I said for people, people that didn't weren't paying attention enough, the, the movie is called Many Saints in Newark, which which means Moltisanti in Italian, everything too. So if you're paying attention, you would know that the movie is about Moltisanti. And even though David Chase hated that first trailer that they that they put out because it did make it look like it was Tony's origin story, and even though he says, Well, it's not a Tony origin story. It is the end of that. The end of that movie. It totally is, and what's what, how he was formed in general. But then, the announcement comes out because I always said this would have played so much better if it was a miniseries. And and Chase was like, Nah, I'm not doing it. No, no TV, no TV. And then someone uh, unloaded a, a truck full of money in his living room, and he goes, oh, You know, we'll do a miniseries. So the the rumor is that they're going to do a miniseries now for this. Um, the mini uh, Young Tony. Good idea. I mean, I thought. I thought the movie was flawed um, and it's tough because it's put up to the greatest television series of all time. So like in that context, it's like, it's not there. When I first watched it though, I was so happy. Like I had a smile on my face the whole time because it's just so, it's so rich in Sopranos lore from beginning to end that it's like, it's all there. Like I, I I have the shoot in the beehive. Oh, Everything. And then when you rewatch the series after you watch Many Saints and you realize how much is referenced, you're like, oh, this is great. Even the TV trays that Dick is bringing in everything. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't I almost feel like like this whole side story. And I think that that was a problem that people had with Many Saints, too. It's like there was this whole side story that people didn't care that much about that was going on that had nothing to do with the series that had more to do with the Newark riots and everything. Um, which I mean, I, I had no problem with, but I get the criticism. I feel like that if you're going to do a mini series or if you're going to do a series in general, I feel like that is the direction to go in. I feel like that's so pissed off though. If they don't, if they don't go after Tony now, especially now you got the young Gandolfini and, and I just, they got to turn Silvio into less of a Saturday night live character. That's my, yeah, own but, it, but it's almost like, yeah, I, like, is young Tony interesting? Like, Tony's interesting because well, he's so. a mob boss. I, see, I think, I think, see, I didn't just find Tony interesting in the series because he was a mob boss because I mean, that was that was his job. And when he could do it, it was that it was that stuff underneath. Like one of the one of the moments to me, and it's also the brilliance of James Gandolfini. But one of the moments that always stands out is when AJ 
tries to, is stupid ass tries to kill himself in the in the pool the way that he does it and 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 tony but tony's like what's wrong with you and then he, he stops and he goes it's okay baby it's okay it's okay and it's like that's the stuff to me like that's who tony soprano really is and this kid who was trying to be a, an athlete trying to do all this stuff and and just his mom and and that heartbreaking scene with Vermiga in the in the kitchen in the, in the movie when he's he's they have like this moment it looks like they're going to have the moment and then it's right back to where we saw in episode in season 1 right that stuff leading up of that transition of a Tony who's who's he even says it to Melfi at one point he's like I'm a good man and you're like no you're not but in his heart of hearts he, he might be he might yeah, yeah. that's yeah. what's interesting to me what I, okay so i think that the the reason that that show one of the reasons that show is so special is a lot of that but it's the dichotomy right it's the idea that he's like he's this mobster that is a real person it's like we're we're, we're seeing him at work and at home and right. it's like i i kind of feel like like all that stuff like him holding aj and you seeing this sensitive side to him is amazing because five minutes ago, you just saw him being this gangster. And I feel like if he's not that other half, like if we're seeing him before the other half existed, then I don't, then the dichotomy doesn't exist. And if yeah, the dichotomy depends doesn't on how, exist, I think it just depends on how it's almost like the origin story of how, it, how that other side is created. Right. Because you see him, as the music kicks in at the very end of the film and that's kind of the beginning of it. So we might even, who the hell knows, but as the mini series starts, we might even start with that other side kind of starting up and hit and seeing that card game with Feech Lamana, you know, seeing all the, I mean, you do want to see that stuff, right? You do want to, you do want to see everything that got referenced. Like, yeah. like I was, don't get me wrong. Like when you realize when he was like robbing the ice cream truck and you're like, Oh my God, he's talking to Jackie senior. He's talking to Jackie, like Jackie, yeah. real, like, of course, like I geeked out over every one right, of those moments. Right. Yeah, but I, I think it's just it. Look, it's a tricky thing because of what we were talking about earlier. It's a nostalgia thing, but it's just a matter of how is it handled? Is it going to be just a mini series because that truckload of money went into David Chase's, uh, you know, living room, or is he going to go? Okay, you know, if I'm going to do this. Is kind of the ideas that because no one's going to give him money to do the movies again, even though even though the movie. Should have never come out in theaters because what we were just talking about with Christmas Story, that movie did gangbuster numbers on HBO Max. Like because that's where it's totally. supposed to live. It's where it's yeah. supposed to live. It's not, that movie, no one's seeing that movie in theaters because you're uh, supposed to literally be able to watch to turn on The Sopranos right after you watch the movie. And, like, and, of and I, I, Sam, I watched it with a bowl of meatballs, <laughs> and I just was like, and I'll, and I'm going to do the same thing if there's a series. You're my just, wife just. Just drinking Coke and eating spaghetti. Like, like I, had bottle, I had a, I was before my birthday. I had a, like a big bottle of wine and, and I'm just like, like a, a just like leave me. I had my, I had a robe on. I was everything. I was, <laughs> I'm just like slamming it down and I'm, and I'll do the same thing for the mini series. Yeah. So either way, well, well, the Sopranos, by the way, when Sopranos comes out and there is a mini series, you and I should do kind of recap episodes of those for sure. Oh, time. dude. Any, I will talk about the Sopranos and anything related to the Sopranos. Did you watch? Did you listen to the to uh, Sharipa and Imperioli's show? Here and there, I got the book, so I'm reading the book. Okay, okay. yeah, yeah, because okay, that show is great. Anyway, look, dude, it was a, it's this was fun. I'd love to do this again with you for sure. And if you're in LA, uh, when once this dies down for sure, and I'm supposed to come out to New York because Matt has invited me on to their show a couple of times, so I'd love to maybe catch up with you and we'll grab lunch or whatever it is. When next time uh, I'm in New York, 
Yeah, definitely. Anytime, just uh, let me know when you're in New York. I'll do the same, and we can. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely do this again. Awesome. All right, everybody, check out Sam. Check him out his YouTube channel and follow him on Twitter. It's not Sam, and then they can find the uh, they can find the Jim and Sam show on on Sirius. Yep, Sirius XM channel one hundred three every morning. All right, there it is, ladies and gentlemen. It is Sam Roberts, and this is the big thing. And one more time, guys, show a little class, will you? And hit subscribe button and hit that notification button. We're just asking for a little bit, an ounce, an ounce of class. And remember, the Patreon tiers do that. And the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere podcasts are found. This is the big thing. I'm Christian Harloff. See you next time. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash Boost by Tax Day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. At The Home Depot, we're dedicated to helping you build the skills that get your home projects done right. That's why we offer free and interactive online DIY workshops. During the live streams, our knowledgeable associates help you tackle your DIY projects no matter your age or skill level. You can learn how to install new single pole switches as well as standard duplex and GFCI outlets. Register for free at homedepot.com workshops. The Home Depot, how doers get more done.